morning, it's Thursday, 11th of June 2020, and this is Zane's The News. Today, Fed holds and prints, OECD warns, Minac maps solution. It was a mixed bag on markets last night, as we had the Fed meeting and sobering warning from the OECD. Gold was up again by 1.4%, and silver up 3.3%. That's 0.9% and 2.7% in AUD terms whilst the S&P 500 and Dow fell, but the very bubbly Nasdaq up yet again. The USD continued an extraordinary streak of declines. Share markets aren't making any sense of late, so it's hard to explain the falls. The Fed's tone was very dovish on the back of poor forward estimates, which ordinarily would see the pure stimulus-driven share market rally on the promise of more stimulus. But maybe, just maybe, when combined with dire warnings from OECD, share traders paused, and realised how bad things are. Maybe. The message was clear for precious metals, bonds and the dollar though. More easy money for longer on anything but a V-shaped recovery. From Bloomberg. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell sent a powerful message Wednesday that the central bank will keep pumping stimulus into the US economy until its traumatised labour market has healed from the harm of the coronavirus pandemic. We're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates, he told a video press conference after the Federal Open Market Committee held its policy benchmark near zero and almost all officials forecast keeping it there through 2022. We are strongly committed to using our tools to do whatever we can for as long as it takes, Powell said. Whatever it takes sees them continuing with rates on hold at 0 to 0.25% and keeping it there for 2.5 years and a continuation of QE indefinitely at least at the current pace, of which a continuation sees $80 billion of US Treasury purchases and $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities per month, or $1.44 trillion annualised. Yesterday, we talked about the yield curve control on speculation they might employ on this round. When asked about YCC, Powell said they had received a briefing and would discuss it over the coming meetings. The Fed didn't even bother to give us its usual quarterly economic forecast in March, given it was mid-pandemic chaos, and they were busy cranking up the printers. So last night, Powell gave the first update since December, now that the dust has settled somewhat. The economy faces considerable risks over the medium term, the Fed said in its statement, reiterating language from the last FOMC meeting in late April. Officials forecast the US unemployment rate would fall to 9.3%, in the final three months of the year from 13.3% in May, according to median estimates, and to decline from 6.5% in 2021. US GDP was projected to contract 6.5% this year before rebounding 5% next year. Inflation was forecast to remain below the Fed's 2% target through 2022. The market's reaction was telling. See if you can look at this graph here, showing USD. 30-year UST, FUTS, NASDAQ and gold. As mentioned, the OECD released its latest global economic forecast and it was deviated from its normal practice by giving a two-scenario forecast as they contemplate the second wave of the pandemic to occur in the second half of this year. On the basis of no second wave they are forecasting, the world economy will contract 6% this year and if we get a second wave, it will fall 7.6%. As important, they are not forecasting a return to 2019 levels for at least two years. OECD Chief Economist Lawrence Boone wrote in the report, Both scenarios are sobering, 
as the economic activity does not and cannot return to normal under these circumstances. Most people see a V-shaped recovery, but we think it's going to stop halfway. By the end of 2021, the loss of income exceeds that of any previous recession over the last 100 years outside wartime, with dire and long-lasting consequences for people, firms and governments. Check out this next graph here. A collapse in output followed by a slow recovery. So it's not a perfect V, is it? Okay, breaking it down, they had more dire view on the US than the Fed, predicting a 7.3% plunge this year and just a 4.1% next year. Should the second wave hit, they become 8.5% and 1.9% respectively. That is a massive difference to the more optimistic Fed. Europe is even worse, with a 9.1% decline in 2020, followed by a 6.5% in the next, or 115 and 3.5% on the second wave scenario. By country, it could look a little bit like this. Check out this graph for pandemic fallout based on country. Looks pretty rough in Europe. We discussed the US central bank response above and the OECDs also speak to the government fiscal stimulus side of things. This from Bloomberg. It's an unprecedented challenge for governments who've already spent billions to keep businesses afloat and workers in jobs until the economies reopen. The OECD said support must now be adapted to help companies in ailing industries restructure and workers retrain. But such transitions take time and many more businesses may fail in the meantime, which mean greater job losses. The OECD said policymakers will have to walk a tightrope between continuing to provide exceptional and costly safety nets and not being trapped into upholding activity for a long period. As shown in the next graph, firm support. Governments are attempting to keep their companies viable. And how much spend of GDP each country is spending. Policies need to mitigate inequalities being worsened by the crisis, OECD Secretary-General Angel Gurria said. We know many of the worst off and most vulnerable are being hit hardest by the pandemic. Governments must pay particular attention to the most vulnerable, according to the report. The young and low-paid make up a larger share of the workforce in the sectors most exposed to job losses and health risks, while highly qualified workers have more often been able to work from home. Check out the next graph about vulnerable workers and the share of youth and adults employed in the hardest-hit sectors. Youth are having a rough go. One thing is certain in all of this, and that is it's far from over, and stimulus is the key outcome. Topically, Real Vision's Raoul Pal interviewed Australia's own Gerard Menek, the author of one of the report, Raoul Never Misses Reading. After a long interview on the macroeconomic setup, here's what Minak had to say in response to Pal, asking, how do you trade in this situation? Looking at options strategies that seem sensible, looking at what's most vulnerable to pull back, and I'd rate some of the commodities, iron ore, Aussie dollar in that group, and then be very selective about what you might pick out for the longer term inflation risk. The only thing that I think is really fast and solid enough to be responding in that longer term prospect of inflation is gold. I think it's partly because gold has what, by my reckoning, is an almost unique characteristic, which is it's the only thing I know of that protects against both tail risks, both inflation and deflation. Gold does well. That may be the one thing that you'd want to focus on if you're worried about that longer-term inflation risk. And yeah, full disclosure, I'm long gold and long gold companies. Pal goes on to note, as am I, but the problem is quite a few of us are long gold but I never heard a better case for gold in my life. 
Now maybe we're all deluding ourselves and we get through some muddle through world of 1%, 2% GDP growth and then gold's not going to do great. But from everything that I've laid out, I don't see how there's not going to be some more stimulus coming. I don't see how they're not going to try and fight the slow growth environment. It's clear it's going to be more fiscal and they'll end up being monetary. So it seems that gold makes sense to me. And from Minak. Yes, look, I think the reality is it is a tiny, tiny asset class. The value of global equities outstanding last time I looked is 70 trillion or 80 trillion. Global sovereign bonds is 60 trillion and obviously going up. The value of gold outstanding, particularly if you exclude that gold's on the back of your grandmother's molars, and the, so the investable gold is only 2 trillion or 3 trillion. You don't need a big account, big real money, people saying that you should hedge against the tail risk and just click one or two percent from our equity holdings and stick them right into gold might make such difference to equities but it's a huge inflow into the gold market that's before you consider things like the weaponization of the us dollar which can quite understandably makes a lot of people go well do i really want that to be the bedrock of my fx reserves why don't we revert to gold it's been okay for five thousand years so let's put a few more in there i think it's a good story Obviously, it's going to have its setbacks along the way. That's particularly true if we do enter this disinflationary thing. In other words, we don't go direct from where we are to where inflation's a risk, but if it slips back next year, we just add more. Interesting bit there from Minak. That's news today, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow for end of week news. Uh, remember, you can always go to Ainsley Bullion to check out all of our news and purchase gold and silver. Or jump over to ainsleywealth.com.au for all things cryptocurrency. We'll talk again soon.